All right, all right. Why don't we grab our seats here? All right, if you guys are if you are here visiting for the first time or joining us for the first time, we're going through the book of Nehemiah. Uh, this is a great book. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible, uh, and it's a, it's a great story. And today. Um, I have a great friend that's going to come up and share his testimony today. But Nehemiah is a, it's a story about a man that has gained God's heart. It's a story of a man that received just the burden of the Lord in rebuilding what was lost. It's a story of God's grace coming forward. It is a story of God's heart, of how God wants to always restore us. It's about restoration, it's about reconciliation. And though, and through Nehemiah, he shows us that he cares for us. God not only cares for us, but he cares for the details of our lives. He provides the resources that we need, the warnings of what is to come, and restores us from the foundations of our being. That's what Nehemiah is about. And that's why it's such a great story. It's not a, just a simple story about a, a, a city being rebuilt, but it's a it's an example of how God wants to bring wholeness into our lives. And it's an example of how God ultimately shows us that Jesus is the one that rebuilds. And so today, as, as uh, we continue in the Nehemiah series, I get to bring up Caleb. Caleb is, for, for those that don't know him, he's actually always in the sound booth. Um, he is... He was actually on staff with us for a, a short period of time. He works in the, the film industry right now. But Caleb is a good friend. He's a good brother. I'm going to bring Caleb up, and then we're going to pray, and then Caleb's going to share. So Caleb, why don't you come on up? Hello, everybody. Uh, uh, my name is Caleb, so if you didn't know, well, now you know. Um, anyway, uh, let's begin. So in December 2012, my friend Wade and I went to South Africa to visit his sister uh, and her family. Um, her and her husband worked at the YWAM in Cape Town. His younger brother was actually there too. Um, he was doing a DTS. While on the trip, Wade, his brother, his brother-in-law and I, we went on this uh, really sweet road trip. Um, one of the pit stops that we had on this road trip was to go bungee jumping. Um, Wade had gone before and Nathan and I hadn't. Uh, yeah, Wade's younger brother. Um, Gerard, his, his brother-in-law, he decided not to uh, actually go bungee jumping because he had a family and he just wanted to make sure that uh, um, <laughs> if there was a man in the house to protect them, if anything. So he stayed back and prayed for us in the distance. <laughs> um, so where we were bungee jumping was at a platform under a bridge. Uh, and I was excited to go, but I was quite nervous. Um, in memory, uh, I remember there was about eight people that day who were going to go bungee jumping. Um, I was the last one of the group. Um, we had an instructor who gave us the lowdown about how to do all the safety jibber-jabber. And after that, uh, somebody asked him, it's like, oh, how many times have you gone? And he was like, I've never gone. I, I'm too scared. So, you know, um, yeah, not, not necessarily the most reassuring thing, but anyway. So at the platform, when it was my turn, um, I got to the edge and I could look down and see that there was a river with brown, murky water. And I thought to myself, just to, to, to reassure myself, if my cable snaps... Uh, that brown murky water would be the last thing I see before I meet Jesus. Um, so then I was ready to jump. Um, so the instructor did a countdown, three, two, one, and gave me a light nudge on the back, and I leapt. And the first thing that went through my mind is, I can't unjump. 
Um, I tell you this story to illustrate of what God has brought me, uh, where God has brought me, and where God has taken me. In particular, uh, to put uh, how he's put purpose in my heart um, and gives me a little nudge every one, once in a while. Um, so originally, um, I'm from Regina, Saskatchewan. I grew up in a good Christian home. Um, I went to a good church. I had good Christian friends. Um, and I was pretty content there. Um, and I was honestly, I was like, I'm never going to leave this city. It's super convenient to live around. Like driving around the city was just great. Um, but God had other plans for me. Starting in 2012, um, and spanning a course of two years, God began to put a holy discontent in my heart. On December 12th of, of year 2012, uh, while Wade and I were in South Africa, we had the opportunity to get prayed over at the YWAM there from some, some of the people that worked there. Um, I, we, yeah, we got pro prophetic words, and one of the words that were spoken of over me was that um, God wanted to use the creativity in me, and also that there'd be a migration in my life. Fast forward to 2014, I found myself uh, constantly feeling like I should quit my job. At the time, I was working at a construction company. It was actually pretty cool because it was a mostly Christian. It was a Christian-owned construction company, and everybody was Christian, so it was all fun. You know, everybody was nice and whatnot. Um, but I, I really had this urge that I wanted to quit. Um, it took me a while to realize that was God speaking to me. He was the one who wanted me to quit. I kind of did not. Um, despite the fact that I'm not necessarily cut out for construction, um, I have more computer, computer fingers than hammer fingers, so um, it wasn't necessarily a financially wise decision for me. Um, but eventually I listened to God and quit my job. Then things really got to start to escalate. Um, so just to go briefly through the string of events that happened, um, so I, ha I was on a dance team. I'm a friend of mine. After going on a trip, uh, we were doing some ministry stuff because it's a Christian dance team. Um, she said, "There's no opportunity for hip hop dance in Regina." And realistically, yeah, not quite a lot. Um, <laughs> anyway, so she said, "Let's move to Vancouver." Um, and in my mind and heart, I was like, "I could say no. Um, I could say yes, but not mean it. Or I could say yes." So I chose the latter. Um, later on. Uh, when I made my, my decision, I reminded myself, there was a school that I used to, was really interested in going to in Vancouver, I'll check that out. It was a film school, actually, the Art Institute, now LaSalle. But anyway, um, I sent some informa uh, requests for some information, and then that's when the enrollment process started. Um, God was hatching his plan and he was moving forward. During that time, I had two friends, Deborah and Catherine, uh, a lot of you do here know who they are. Um, they no longer live here, but anyway, they were planning to move here. Um, and then uh, I was part of the moving party with them. And a few weeks prior to them moving, uh, my sister became ill and was hospitalized. Um, and one day I went to visit her. One of those days uh, when I went to visit her, a lady who did inner prayer healing at my church, um, she was there visiting my sister. Uh, that was a divine appointment. Uh, in previous conversation, I had mentioned that I would be helping uh, those friends move. Um, and then I was planning to move in a few years to come. I mentioned that my life was feeling stagnant at the time. She spoke, then she spoke words that shook me to the core. She said, Caleb, it sounds like your season in Regina is over. And it was like for the first time, somebody had spoken the words that my heart was trying to say all along. Um, she followed up by telling, uh, telling me and said, ask God when you're on the trip whether or not you should move sooner than you were expecting. I t on the trip to help Deborah and Kat move, uh, God answered my questions. Um, September 24th, 2012, I moved here. I had three suitcases, my backpack, and my messenger bag. Um, that's all I had, uh, that's all I could take with me. Um, um, 
I had no place where I was going to stay outside of Deborah and Katz. I was going to look for a place to rent while I was here. Um, but God knew what he was doing. Um, and all I knew was that God knew what he was doing, and I was coming here for school. So, uh, moving here, like, right away, I could see God working. Um, God put me in a good church immediately, and it was this one, actually. Um, that Sunday, Deborah, Kat, and I, and her mom, who was coincidentally there at the time, um, we all came to the church. And I remember John, he was standing here, and the thing you have to know about my church back home is that church was more family than some of the family I had in the city. And I remember John coming up to them with the mic in hand, and he said, welcome to Five Stones Church. This is our family. Welcome, you can welcome, you're welcome to uh, worship with us. And it was one of those things that God confirmed in my heart. It's like, okay, I know I'm supposed to be here. Um, later on, I ended up meeting my former roommate, David, um, through John, actually, again. <laughs> um, yeah, and we ended up finding a place in Vancouver, close to my school and close to his work. So God was on the move again. Um, school was good. I actually really enjoyed school. I met some really great people there. Um, yeah, but, you know, school is school, and you're just ready to get it done. Um, so, so, yeah, without question, God moved me here for a purpose. I could see that. I could see God's hand operating in my life. Uh, so the next phase was to find a job in the industry. So how that worked out is uh, before school ended, about six months before, um, I started working here at Five Stones. Um, the thing is, I feel like God put it in my heart. He's like, I want to work here. Like, I just knew that I wanted to work here. And then Rich came up to me and was like, hey, do you want to work here? And I was like, yeah. So it was that. Um, and it was a great experience. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, school ended in two, uh, December 2016. Um, actually, I became really jaded with the school. Uh, There's just some stuff that was happening. But I was so relieved to be done. Um, and then another unction came into my heart. And it was that uh, I knew exactly where I was going to work. Um, where I was going to work is a place one of my friends who graduated earlier worked. Uh, it was called Bling Digital. Um, so it was going to be doing dailies. And dailies is uh, when people sh uh, film stuff. Uh, you get the footage first. You process it so that it's in an easier file, s uh, file type that for the editorial team to edit. So technical mumbo jumbo. Um, anyway, I really wanted to work a dailies job. Um, so I sent in a resume. Uh, and there was no work for me, so I continued working here. Um, in the meantime, it was still good. I continued working at the church. Um, I would check up on the company every now and again uh, to see if there was any opportunities. Um, eventually, I, with nothing to, to show for, I ended up applying at other places. Um, and actually, to be honest, I really hate applying for jobs. I hate cover letters and all that nonsense. Um, and particularly in this case, it really bothered me because every single place that I sent a resume, nobody replied. So I became uh, rather discouraged. Um, and then I started to wonder, like, oh, is this what God really wants from me? Did I make any bad decisions? I just started to doubt myself and second question what God had put in my heart. Um, yeah, and that discouragement consisted, uh, persisted for a few months. Um, eventually, early June 2017, uh, Bling finally called and asked me for an interview, and it was great. I actually, before I went into the interview, I just took time and praised God. I didn't pray about it, I was like, I know I got this. So I just worshiped God and thank him, uh, thanked him for what he was to bring. Um, later on, a few weeks later after the interview, I got the job, and I was like, yes. Actually, it was more like, ah, you know, <laughs> super exciting and whatnot. Um, so yeah, they said that they would call a few weeks later to let me know what was up. Um, so I waited uh, for a few weeks, and then a few more weeks, uh, and no call. And it was really frustrating. Again, I was wondering, it's like, am I actually going to work in the industry? I spent 
exorbitant amount of dollars going to school. It's like, am I going to have anything to show for it? So finally, in August 2017, a month and a half after the initial interview and the job acceptance, uh, I got a call from the company and they said, ah, we're ready to hire you. And I was like, yes, I was super excited. Um, I think I was with John at the time. Yeah, John is quite involved in this story. Um, <laughs> and he gave me his blessing to go. Um, so I started the, the following week. Um, so, so the position was a contract-based one. Actually, I was taking over for the position my friend was at. He was going on vacation, so I was just taking, taking the, the time in between. Um, so it was only for a month, uh, but I was happy that I got it. When I was done the contract, I was hoping to get more work uh, for dailies, but they didn't have anything. Um, I was thankful for the experience and decided to look into other opportunities, uh, but the desire to work for the company still persisted. A few weeks later, I got a call. Uh, they wanted me back, but not for dailies. So I got another short contract working for the production engineering department, which is they're the ones who assemble the computers. Um, if there's editorial teams uh, for different shows that need editing equipment, they'll set it up for them as a rental thing. And they do all that kind of tech connection stuff like I do back there. Um, so, uh, so yeah, they're responsible for that. Um, and I was going to help for with one of those setups. So the general manager for the company, uh, for that part particular branch, I remember him saying, oh, it's like, oh, this should be an easy gig. Uh, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he's like, no, it won't be. <laughs> and it truly wasn't. It was probably one of the worst uh, experiences I've had working. Uh, there was just a lot of issues that popped up here and there. Um, but there was one day I just had enough, and I cried out to God. And I was like, God, we need your help here. It's like, these clients are understandably upset about stuff, so can you help us out? And from that point, things started to smooth out, and I was like, yes, God, thank you. Um, so at the end of the, the, the gig, uh, I, I was the contract was over, so I went my way. Um, but a few weeks, actually, I think it was in the process of that, the, the company actually offered me a different position. Now, this position wasn't con a contract position, but it was uh, a digital archiving position. It's actually the position I, I have today. And it was full-time, and it had benefits. And I think that was the first time in my life that I actually had a job with benefits. So I was like, yes! Super excited. Um, it's not really a glamorous job in terms of what I do. Um, what I do is I back up the, the content from the TV show. So after things are shot, I get the original footage, I get the dailies footage, and I put them on like these cassette magnetic strip tapes, and it takes like a long time for them to write. Um, like one tape can take up to like 26 hours. Uh, and if, if, if something bad happens, like it doesn't write properly, I have to restart. So um, yeah, it's, it's a fun job. <laughs> uh, but it, it is what it is. Um, so I guess now what I can say about my life is uh, I know the next step for me is that God is calling me to ministry. And I know other people know it. Um, I can see that God is kind of setting things in motion. Um, and I will admit, it's a challenge, and I don't necessarily want to take it up. It's funny, though, because I remember my mom when I was a kid. She was saying that, I see you as a pastor. I'm like, nah, nah. I didn't believe her, but I feel like that's part of the call God has on my life. Um, and it's been spoken over me quite a few times. But I know God is moving forward, and I can't deny his call. Um, yeah, as I said, many prophetic words I've had throughout life, it's like, I need to be in the word, I need to be, I'll have an evangelistic call on me, um, I have a pastoral gift, and those are the things that uh, God is really uh, trying to get me to do. 
Um, and it's kind of funny because a lot of the when I'm by myself, I find that I talk to my like talk speak out like think out loud, um, and I it always devolves into me preaching a mini sermon to myself. <laughs> like it always does. It's like some topic, and I'm just thinking, and then God will just download stuff to me, and I'm like I just I just keep going. So it's like it's inevitable. It's gonna happen. Just matter of timing when and how and whatnot. Um, Actually, speaking of that, I have some of the best moments I've had with is with one of my friends, my roommate back in Regina years ago. He and I would just be talking, and both of us would be blessed by what God would download to me, and I would just say. I would just say things and be like, whoa, like the like, concept of, like, I've never heard, heard the gospel in that way. And it's really cool. Um, and I know that God is taking me out of my comfort zone again. Um, like when he brought me to Vancouver, um, but going back to the whole bungee jumping story, I didn't quite end off where, you know, the full thing. So the moment I jumped, I can't unjump. And I remember they were playing music on the platform, and it was loud, and it slowly faded away. And it's, you could just feel this acceleration, like when you're driving super fast on the highway, and you just hit, uh, you know, going super fast. And there's, like, wind blowing in my ears, and then there was this moment of complete tranquility where you're just, like, floating. And it's like, you just feel nothing. And it's just, it was the most surreal experience. And then you felt the cable, and you felt like, like it getting taut, and you snapped back up, and, and it was, bungee jumping is a sweet experience. I recommend it for everybody. <laughs> um, just pray before you go, you know. <laughs> um, but it, it's funny, it's, I actually do have pictures of that event, but I don't have them here. But anyway, you could see beforehand those pictures that were taken. You could definitely see my face. I was anxious. I was like, you could tell I was, I was worried about what was going to happen. But after the fact, when you saw my face, it was full of joy. I was like, I went through one of the biggest and most enjoyable rushes of my life. And I was just filled with joy. And I know at the, the end of the day, um, when I've done the things that God has called me to, joy has pr uh, followed. And I know that the next step I'm going through, joy will follow. I know that with what I'm dealing with is like, Sometimes you get anxious about stuff, but joy always comes when you obey God. So I guess that's all I have to say. I will have joy when I obey God and as I obey God. Thank you. Caleb's story actually is very, very, just because I've been in, involved in a lot of <laughs> Caleb's life, not, I don't actually know, um, and just seeing how he's grown and since he's moved here and just the processes that he's gone through being on staff with us, trying to figure out his job, his employment, his career, his path. Caleb actually has come leaps and bounds in terms of when I met him and even where he is today. And, and I, I'm so proud of the man that he is and the man that he's going to be and how God continues to work in his life. If we look at Caleb's story in in conjunction with Nehemiah's story, there's so many similarities. You see, Nehemiah, in many ways, was settled in his career. If we look at Nehemiah, Nehemiah was born in Babylon. He was never born in Jerusalem. Nehemiah was one of the exiles that were exiled into the land of Babylon, where Jeremiah ca called to the people and says, stay in the city. Keep your culture, stay in the city, and assimilate into that culture. And so Nehemiah's family did exactly that. They had their faith. They believed in God. They uh, understood 
who they were just, just as, as followers of God. They assimilated in the city. Nehemiah's family, Nehemiah, was born in Babylon. Jerusalem fell 150 years before that. It's, it's, it's not news. It's not like Jeremiah, Nehemiah watched the city of Jerusalem fall and his heart was broken because of that. Nehemiah grew up in a city where it was conquered and ruled by the Babylonians. Nehemiah, as a young man, was a very smart and brilliant man. He grew up in a sense of working in his career. Nehemiah was a cupbearer, and oftentimes we forget what a cupbearer's job is. A cupbearer's job is actually a position of influence. It's a position where, it gained, where to get that position, only very few people get, because you have to gain the trust of the king. To get that position means that he had to work through the different levels of the kingdom, of, of the government, and of the systems to prove that he was responsible to gain the trust of this king. The cupbearer's job was the person that the king trusted the most. And he was the one that was the responsible for serving the king. Nehemiah, in many ways, in many sense, he was set in his career. The cupbearer was one of the highest paid positions in the palace. He had influence. And then God poured down his heart and laid out, hey, I got an assignment for you. See, here's the thing that sometimes we don't, we forget to understand is that God calls us out of our gifting. Why? Because those giftings were given to you by God. God uses the influence that we've gained to further his kingdom. And in this case, he used Nehemiah because Nehemiah had the hand of the king and the heart of the king. So when he asked for the king, he's like, I want to go and rebuild my city. The king said, yes. Why? Because he trusted him. There's an aspect that we forget that Nehemiah, in order to do this task, needed monumental resources needed time, needed the, the know-hows of how do I rebuild, but how do I bring back a system that is broken? You see, Nehemiah had the skill set to do that, and that's why God used him. Oftentimes we think that ministry is only about church, that ministry is only what I do here as Pastor John. That's ministry. Everything else is just we're just living a good Christian life. But here's the thing is God's called every single one of us into ministry. If you are a follower of Christ, you are in ministry. And you are ministering in the place that you are placed. You are ministering to the people that surround you. Nehemiah is ministering to the king. And so here, Nehemiah is in his quiet time. I mean, he's... He's, he's, he's good in his place. He's like, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve in life. He knows his father. He knows God. He has a great relationship with God. And many of us are in that place right now where 
We're chasing after our dream. We've, some of us have accomplished our dreams. Some of us are, have accomplished it and now retired and are living a, just a good life. And we, we, we're solid in our faith. We know who we are. We, we, we know who God is for us. Now imagine taking that and God saying, I'm giving you a, an assignment. What God gives to Nehemiah first is his heart and his burden. Here's the thing. There's many of us here that are constantly searching, especially the younger ones, searching for what, what is my call? What is God calling me to do? What is my calling? And we get into this rut of trying to figure out the calling where God has already presented it in front of you. Your calling is actually your passion. Your calling is what you love and desire. Why? Because God created that and put those things in you. God created you specifically and designed you in a way where what you're following and the passions that you have and the skill set that you have are actually given to you by God. And so for us to walk out our calling is to walk out that passion. To walk out and follow that passion. For some of us, it might be music. We want to pursue music, and music is my passion. Pursue that first. God's calling will come alongside that. Some of us may be more cerebral. I love mathematics and science. I have no idea what people that love math and science, how they think. God bless them because we need them. <laughs> Follow that dream because God is going to use you in that way. Maybe you love the creative side. You love design. You love creating new things, making things beautiful. Follow that. Maybe you just love to teach. You love imparting into others and you love seeing others grow. Follow that. Maybe it is about helping people. Follow that. Every single thing that you love, God has put into you. Every single thing that you desire, God has put into you. All of these things are designed specifically from God and given to you from God. You actually won't have that creative mindset or the skill set to do what you want to do because if God didn't give it to you. We have to understand that we are created in his image, and in that image is his calling. So God calls Nehemiah. He takes his skill set. He's just like, you are the man that is able to rebuild Jerusalem, to reinstate this nation of exiles and bring them back together. Because not only do you have the skill set, you have the influence to do that. Nehemiah took how many days to rebuild the temple? Pop quiz. 52 days. We've been sitting on this construction of this new tower <laughs> that's not even a city for months. I don't know who lives in the downtown core, that pounding that keeps on going, cling, 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 cling. We hear it here at the office all day long. It's to a point where it's actually like a metronome in my head now. <laughs> Imagine that was built in 52 days. That'd be glorious. 
I don't know if it will stand, but it will be glorious. But Nehemiah was able to rally up this nation and rebuild the temple in 52 days. That's insane. And actually, because it was rebuilt in 52 days, the enemies were fearful. Because they're like, God has to be, there has to be a higher being behind this in order for something like this to happen. In that sense, rebuilding the temple itself was a miracle. And sometimes God rebuilds our lives. Sometimes he puts us on a fast track and we may look at our lives and we'll be like, we are so far from where God is able to use us. But God can put you on a place where you grow so quickly and give you the skill set and the things that you need to do the things that he wants you to do. Nehemiah then goes and he rebuilds not only the city, but he reinstitutes the laws of Jerusalem and the laws of the people. He brings the nation back together into what God created the nation to be. Remember, this is a people group of exiles. They were exiles all over the place. They started doing all sorts of things and intermarrying here and there and forgetting who they really truly are. And Nehemiah comes and reorganizes and resets everything. How does he do that? First, he has wisdom from God, and he has discernment in that sense. But he had the skill set to do that. He had the experience behind him, him to do that. And that's why God chose him. And then God brought alongside Nehemiah a man by the name of Ezra to come, and, and he was a high priest, and he's the one that lays down, these are the laws that we are to live by. This is what is written in Scripture. we actually see that Nehemiah actually goes back to his position. He doesn't stay in Jerusalem. He actually goes back to the king in chapter 13, verse 6. Because he says, because he talks about something else. I don't know if I should go into it today in, in, in chapter 13. But Nehemiah, he's, he's such a badass. He actually kicks some pretty, he, he, he lays people out. Like, Chapter 13, read it. He literally beats people and pulls people's hair out. Like, I'm not even kidding you. Read chapter 13. Nehemiah is a badass. He will dropkick you if he needs to. <laughs> it's true. And he did to many people. Not just one, many people in the Old Testament because they weren't following the Sabbath. They weren't following the rules that, that were laid out. Right? But here's the thing is that sometimes we're called by God for a season. We're given a task to do for a season. Other times that call is for our life. But how do we know this call? How do we walk into a place of understanding our call? Is that if you follow your passions and you follow your God, those things walk hand in hand together. And when these two things work simultaneously together, all of a sudden, the things that you're doing becomes joy. The things that you, you, you're doing becomes part of your ministry call. The things that you're doing all of a sudden starts making sense for how do we extend the kingdom of God. But that requires you to understand who your God is. That requires you to understand that 
God is there to come and bring all of this together. We have to understand our personal relationship with Jesus first. Some of us are, are sometimes too busy to figure this out. Or we're, we're busying ourselves to figure it out. We get clouded, we get jaded. You see, the reason why Nehemiah had to go back to Jerusalem in, in chapter 13 was because after the temple was rebuilt, after people were settled back in, people started living in a way where we, how we live today. You see, back then, they didn't have electricity, right? And so they worked during the, just during the daylight. But in the case of Israel at the time, they started working more than just daylight to a place where they started breaking Sabbath, where they were so busy and so caught up in rebuilding and so caught up in the aspect of, of, of doing things that they forgot about Sabbath, that Sabbath was no longer looked at that they work seven days a week. We live in that culture today. We live in a culture where there's 24-7 everything. 24-7 gyms, 24-7 restaurants, 24-7 grocery stores, 24-7 convenience stores, 24-7 everything. That because of electricity and technology, we think that, I mean, when technology was first brought out, it, was a, it actually was supposed to make our lives easier so that we could have more time for rest. But what technology has done is actually it's created us to work even more. Did you know that the average work week nowadays is actually 60 hours a week? That's insane. At 40 hours a week, it's insane. At 60 hours a week, what do you have time for? Do you have time for your family? Do you have time for your friends? Do you have time for anything? Do you have time for God? No. But because of technology, we're constantly plugged in. We're, we have these things that back then it used to be attached to the wall and then had a cord on it. And that in order for someone to get a hold of you, you had to be in the vicinity of it. Nowadays, anybody could get a hold of you. Here's the crazy thing. When we try to get a hold of somebody and they don't answer, you, you get upset. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous expectation, by the way. <laughs> you need to think about that for yourself, okay? This is my conviction to you. If you text somebody and they don't text you back right away, don't expect that. That's a privilege, okay? But we get so caught up in our work and caught up in what we're doing all the time. Technology allows us to work through the wee hours of the night. We could work till 2 in the morning and then go to the gym at 3 in the morning and then go, go grocery shopping at 4 in the morning. That's how crazy our society is. And that's actually where Nehemiah 13 was and that's why Nehemiah had to come back and he's like, you guys need to start observing the Sabbath again. Here's the thing. If you don't observe the Sabbath, the Sabbath will find you. How? In a form of a heart attack, in a form of a stroke, in a form of physical degradation. Like you're just going to disintegrate because you're not resting. 
So if you don't observe Sabbath the way that you're supposed to observe it, Sabbath will find you. Achievement and hard work is a good thing. However, at the cost of who you are and your relationship to God is not a good thing. You want to walk out your calling? Spend more time with him. You want to walk out your calling? For some of you, actually for some of you, you need to work harder. For others, you need to work less. So if you're on either side of that spectrum, you're not in a good place. God wants us to work hard. He wants to use your skill set for his kingdom, to further his kingdom. If you look at Caleb's story, Caleb's story was, is about how he's walking with God, that he's attentive to his voice, that he's attentive to what God is rebuilding in his life. If you hear the whole story, I mean, Caleb could stand here and preach for two hours if he needed to. I actually had to cut his testimony. I'm like, Caleb, this is too much. <laughs> but God rebuilt so many aspects of his life. Relationship, he's rebuilt. Identity aspects, he's rebuilt. There's so many things that Caleb left out of his testimony, but... God continues to rebuild things in his life because he continues to walk and follow what God has for him. And what did Caleb say comes with it? Joy. Joy comes with it. So for those that are young and are trying to figure out this, this calling thing, follow your passion. Because the passion that you have is instilled into you by God. And when you follow that passion, his call will become more and more and more and more clear. But you need to know how it becomes clear and that the way that it becomes clear is that you actually are praying and worshiping and reading his word. Because if you don't do that, you're not going to know who your king is. You're not going to know who your God is. That, that call will never be spoken because you're not spending the time with him. You're too distracted by technology and by work. You're too distracted by all these other things. It's almost like Nehemiah has to come and rip some hair and beat some people because you're not recognizing who God is in your life. And as you walk that out, that picture becomes clear. Some of us are, especially the young ones, I get... I mentor so many of the young adults here in the church, and oftentimes the number one question is, I just, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What's my number one answer for you guys? Just walk in what you want to do. Do that first. Start there. Walk in what you want to do and spend more time with God. And out of that you're going to see your calling. Out of that, God's going to use you specifically in the way that he created you. Isn't that awesome? And then your life calling is all set and perfect and dandy. That's not true. That's not true at all. No. Because even if you remember as the rebuilding of the wall comes, that the enemy comes and tries to just discourage you from your call, tries to take you away from that.
There's this man in the entire story of Nehemiah named Tobias. He's evil, but he's Jewish. He's actually supposed to be someone that was for Nehemiah. But he was the one that distracted Nehemiah the most. And actually in chapter 13, Nehemiah actually lays a smackdown for him too because he, he created a room in the temple for himself. And Nehemiah's like, what is this? And throws everything out and throws him out. And seriously, this guy is awesome. <laughs> I want to be him sometimes. Just throw things out. <laughs> awesome. But what are things that you have to throw out in your life that are distractions? What are the Tobiases in your life that are things that are discouraging you from following your call? That's the message here today. That we have to understand that God calls us and rebuilds us in a way that we actually get to extend the kingdom. It's not about just serving God. Yes, it is serving God, but as we serve him, there's joy that comes with it. There's a fulfillment that comes because we know we're walking exactly the way that God wants us to walk. It almost fulfills that identity piece of who are we. God answers that in what you're doing. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for just how you work in our lives and how you you minister in our lives, and sometimes that ministering is actually in exactly where we are today and exactly how we are today. So, Father God, we just pray that as we are trying to figure out what is it that you have given us as an assignment, Lord, that we're able to confidently walk out with you, just the calling in our lives. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that as we come before you, Lord, that you just give us your heart. Pour out your spirit, pour out your heart in our lives. First, to get to know you, and second, so that we are able to walk with you. And Lord, we just ask for your joy and your peace in all the decisions that we make and in all that we do. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're a child of God. You're a child of God. I think we have to remind ourselves of that. We don't belong to this world. We don't belong to the um, strategies of this world, the, um, uh, anything of this world. We're a child. We have a heavenly home. And I think when we have that in, in our hearts and in our minds, we can hear the Father's voice. We, we, we're willing to go where he wants us to go and to do what he wants us to do. Um, with Caleb, God had a strategy. He had a strategy. And so Caleb, because he wanted to know what that strategy was, he, he wanted to know his heart was willing. And I think our hearts have to be willing to go with God's strategy. And sometimes it looks impossible it, it, uh, and it doesn't make sense, but we trust the Father. One thing, a couple of things that I was reminded of is our personal relationship with God is the ultimate. It's the most important thing in our life. If we don't have that, then we can't hear the Father's voice clearly. He's still speaking to us, but we're not hearing him clearly. 
And another is, what we do for Christ will last. So, you know, on your job, there are walls there. There are walls in your job. There's walls in, in, in your home. God wants to rebuild some of those walls, walls of relationship, walls of uh, just build whatever walls that are there. And, and then just to let you know, the things that you do for Christ will last. It's going to last. And the treasure um, is you're building up treasure in heaven. We're building up treasure. So don't get discouraged if things aren't going the way you thought it was going to go. I'm sure that uh, even though Nehemiah was a powerful man, I'm you know, with Tobias coming against him and <laughs> having to get really strong and start pulling out hair, sometimes you feel like pulling out your own hair, but... <laughs> Don't get discouraged because you are a child of God. Thank you. So i just like to pray for you all. God, you know our hearts. You know that each one of us wants to know the calling that you have for our lives. And Father, I pray that you will speak with your still small voice again and again and again and again until we get it. And Lord, that we'll receive it, that we will um, follow you the best we can. So for each one of us, Lord, speak to our hearts and show us the calling that you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.